Well, uh, as uh, Brian was saying, you know, anger is something that, that we all experience. And so the great question then is how, what, what's the Bible have to say about how we, how we lift it up to the Lord and how we hold it to the Lord and how we deal with it? I just want to, us to consider two steps that St. Paul talks about here uh, in this passage. And the first one is examine your anger. Some have used this passage to support the idea of righteous anger with the verse, in your anger, do not sin. But that's really not the intent of this passage. This passage is not dealing with the subject of righteous anger as it is war- as much as it's warning the Ephesians against the impact of their anger undealt with on their relationships. There is such a thing as righteous anger. When we get angry over that which angers God, poverty, racism, hatred, violence, injustice, hypocrisy, and the like, Jesus turned over the temple, that turned over the tables in the temple, and he wasn't just taking a polite walk. You know, a parent, for example, may have a righteous anger toward the behavior, not their teenager, but the behavior of a rebellious teenager. This parent can move toward that teenager in love with a righteous anger toward the behavior and the sin that threatens to do harm to their child. But this righteous Anger always and must always be rooted in love. Turning a a blind eye to something that is destroying your child is the opposite of love. I mean, that's indifference. So this is not a parenting seminar, but every parent needs to develop their holy and righteous sense of, of response to rebellion. So to be sure, for our message today, we're not talking about the anger that is righteous anger. We're more talking about that anger that is when it's unchecked and it's when unleashed on others that does great damage to your relationships, yourself, and to your witness for Christ. Psalm 4.4 says, In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your heart and be silent. That's just a wonderful invitation right there to when you're experiencing anger, just have a call to examination. The entire weight of this text and the preceding one is about the contrast of a life lived in Christ and a life lived by the flesh. Paul meant for the Ephesians to read this passage and allow it to examine their lives in light of those who are not in Christ. So how do we examine anger? Let me just offer a a few thoughts here. Before any word you say, stop and pray. If you're feeling anger, um, ask the Lord to begin to, before you say anything, stop and pray. Ask God to examine your anger and to guide you in the process of examination. You see, a lot of times we pray when we are angry, but we start asking God to deal with the other person. This is good sometimes, don't get me wrong, but maybe the first place to start is to ask God, okay, God, how do I deal with my anger? How do I deal with this in light? of your word. The next thing I would suggest is before you become vexed, consider the context. What is going on in your life? What kind of day did you have? Consider this scenario. You've had a bad day at work. Your coworkers are getting on your last nerve and then the one after that. You're getting frustrated at work and anger is beginning to build, but you can't really get angry at work, so you just stuff it until you leave. Then you get in line at the grocery store and it's not moving. So you kind of lash out a little bit there or you get frustrated in traffic and you lash out there or you go home and you take it out on those in your family. You may think someone in your family is the cause, but in reality, you had a really bad 
day at work. And something hooked your anger. There are other causes. There's pain. Both emotional wounds that have not been healed and actual physical pain. Sometimes physical pain actually causes people to respond with anger. We talked about this in a sermon once. Uh, that, that sometimes when people are simply hungry, there's a word for it, they get hangry. They, they start to lash out simply because they're hungry. We see, that, as Brian mentioned earlier, how anger is often has a, a, a multiple level layer response in our body. And sometimes when our bodies are in pain, uh, we also lash out in anger. Then, of course, we need to consider what's going on in the life of the other person with whom you're angry. We never really know the weight of the baggage that other people are carrying around. I, I read a story, it's, it's a well-known story from Stephen Covey, and how he was riding the subway in New York one morning. People were sitting quietly on the subway. They were reading their papers, or they were resting with their eyes closed. It was a really peaceful scene. Then a man with his children entered the subway car. The man uh, sat next to Stephen Covey, but Covey said it seemed like he was absolutely oblivious to everything that was going around. His children were running around. They were yelling. They were throwing things. They were even grabbing other people's newspapers. And Covey said that he couldn't believe how insensitive this man was being. And eventually he said with, with you know, some impatience, if you will, and he said, sir, your children are disturbing people. I wonder if you couldn't control them just a little bit more. The man lifted his gaze as he saw the situation for the first time. And he said, oh, you're right. He said, I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. He said, I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Covey writes, suddenly I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart filled with compassion. Your wife just died. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant. Covey completely changed his attitude and behavior when he learned more about the other person's context. So much of our anger is sometimes focused in on ourselves. We feel aggrieved or offended. We feel our rights have been infringed upon. We feel like something has been taken away from us. It's really helpful to consider the context, your context and the context of the other person. And the last thing I'll say when it comes to examination is to pause and then consider the cause. This is a bit different than context. The cause of our anger may be legitimate. Someone may have done something to us. We may have been unfairly treated or some other issue. The cause of anger could run even deeper for some. Feelings of low self-esteem, fear. Fear in men is often expressed as anger. Anger may have been the most prevalent emotion in your home growing up, and it shaped how you respond. Some pauses are just for a few moments as we consider what's going on and we try to talk ourselves down from anger. Yet some pauses need to take months and even years as you seek professional help to deal with deep-seated anger. If you're struggling with anger, and you know it if you are, dig in on this. Examine your anger under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of Scripture, and if needed, the help of a trained professional counselor. So the first thing is to do is just say, Lord, why am I angry? And examine your anger under the 
the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The second word I believe we see from this passage is to deal with it. It's to examine it and deal with your anger. Paul uses a stark term here. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander. You kind of wonder what was going on there. And along with every form of malice. The bottom line with anger is that it must be dealt with. It can't be ignored. Why? Well, anger escalates. Anger is a gateway emotion to almost everything that that Paul mentioned there. Bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, malice. Anger leads to those different emotions. Dealing with anger keeps you from doing even greater damage to yourself, to your relationship with the other person, your relationship with God. Why deal with anger? Because anger elevates not only your, your blood pressure and your pulse rate, but it is driven from your desire at times to elevate yourself in light of others. Think about some of the statements we make around anger. You hurt me. You ignored me. You offended me. You did X, Y, or Z. Now, these things may be true. And you may be indeed legitimately the injured party. No doubt at some point the person who angered you will need to own up and take responsibility. At the end of the day, though, if you're the injured party, in order to forgive that person and be reconciled, you're going to need to focus not just on your hurt and pain, but the other person in the relationship. There are situations and relationships in which someone may prefer to stay injured and angry because it keeps the focus on self rather than the mutuality of the relationship. So in other words, anger, unless it's righteous anger, inherently has an inward focus even though it is outward directed. Let me offer a disclaimer here. Some may have deep anger toward another that has been caused by deep trauma. Please know I am not making light of these circumstances. And if this is your situation, please seek professional help. There's nothing wrong with engaging in self-care and tending to your pain, as Brian mentioned earlier. I'm referring here to anger that is at, at times more reactionary and surface level. Anger facilitates. This is another reason to deal with it. It facilitates the work of the evil one in your life. Paul says, don't let the sun go down in your anger and give the devil a foothold. That basic translation there is give the devil space to work. This has been implied in the entire message, but I think it's worth getting out there one more time. Unresolved anger in our lives can be used by the evil one to tempt us to sin against God and against others. You know, when we think about the life of Jesus, we know he summarized obedience to God as loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving others. Anger, undealt with and unchecked in our lives, can get in the way of both. It can hinder our worship and our prayer. It can hinder our service and our fellowship and our mission. So how do we deal with anger? Examine it as we talked about earlier. Work through the steps I described earlier. Prayer, context, cause. Consider your influences. I I remember talking with a gentleman when we lived in Minnesota, and he, he just poured his heart out to me at a Panera Bread there in Maple Grove, and he said, you know, I'm just so angry. And I said, well, just tell me what's going on, and tell me about your life, and 
And, you know, he told me some things going on. Things seemed to be doing well at home and everything. And, and we didn't get too deep into his growing up years. But I said, well, what do you do for a living? And he, he, at that time, he sold advertising uh, for a company. And I said, well, what do you do uh, each day? And he said, well, I drive around a lot. And I said, well, what do you do when you drive around? And he told me he listens to political talk radio. This was back in the early 2000s. And I said, well, that might be, first of all, a source of some of your anger. And I said, why don't you consider listening to music for a while? Turn that off and listen to music. Now, it's a lot more challenging, we know, than that. But that at least gives him an opportunity to consider the influences, what could be influencing your anger. Consider uh, or pursue reconciliation. You know, reconciliation can be as simple as, as, as a, a, a five-minute conversation after you've gotten into a sideways conversation, or it could take years to reconcile with someone with whom you have deep, deep anger. Second Corinthians five seventeen through 20 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And this is the part I, I want us to focus on. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This passage reminds us that we have been set free and forgiven from our sins and we've been reconciled to God. God does not hold our sin against us. And Paul writes, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. This means we've been enlisted, empowered, and equipped by God to share this ministry with others. This means we're called to look upon others the same way that God does. No, we don't ignore the other sins against us, but we pursue reconciliation and we pursue healing. We look to walk in communion with others so that we might share the message of God's love with everyone and so that we might be released from the grip of anger so that we might engage in forgiveness and showing grace and showing mercy. One of the most powerful witnesses you'll ever have is the ministry of forgiving those who sinned against you as God has forgiven all of us. And lastly, as Brian mentioned earlier, seek professional help. If you're struggling with anger, and you can't get traction, I encourage you to seek professional help. God often works his healing through the help of professionals like Brian and many counselors. So what a great way to think about resetting for 2022. If you struggle with anger, let this be the year you rethink and reset the way that you react when you're angry. Allow God to flood your heart with his grace with his kindness, with his gentleness, with his peace, and with his love. If anger is not an issue for you, remember those in prayer for whom it is. Perhaps even send them this message as a starting point. Next week, we'll continue our series reaction by taking a look at what happens in our lives when fear begins to take hold. I invite you to pray with me now. Lord God, we thank you so much that you love us and that you care for us. Lord, we thank you that 
you crafted us and created us to be emotional beings. And so, Lord, there are, there are moments and there are times and there are situations in life that, that anger us and that create difficult and challenging feelings in us. And Lord, I just thank you for the balm and the healing of your love and of your mercy. I thank you for this skillful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I thank you for the way that you have gifted professionals like Brian and many, many others. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for loving us in spite of ourselves. And so, God, now help us to open our hearts and to receive your mercy and to receive your forgiveness and to receive your love, receive your grace, so that we may extend it to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.